One of the things that I find really, really hard about getting and keeping a band together is just kind of like the good spirits and morale and getting schedules and everything together. And it seems like you've uh, gone out of your way to make it very difficult by having a bunch of people in a band. Yeah. And, but is it because regardless of how difficult it is, is it like I have this vision that I am unwilling to compromise. And if I'm going to do a ska band, it needs to be done right. Yeah. That's, that's about 80% of it. The other 20 is before the missile started, I saw Inko Fido at club cafe and there was like 20 of them on that tiny little stage. And, um, my life goal is to beat that number. It makes for a fun scene. Like people <laughs> like to watch a lot of people have fun on the stage. Yeah, and yeah. also the music just sounds so much better with a couple horns in the mix instead of just a saxophone or just a trombone. Like it, it just fills it out so much more. Mm-hmm. And it kind of feels like necessary to the sound. We try not to play one horn shows because we just like that. We just like that stuff. Yeah, I, I find myself with my band, particularly with Normal Creatures, struggling because I want to expand the band i want there to be like this big thing because the sound is big it's meant to be big whenever i had a uh, clinton from the common heart on my show i was like i want to be the new metal version of the common heart <laughs> like i want like a giant fucking band on my stage but it's so hard to find the people that like i can rely on or the people that understand the vision or that i can like trust you know yeah. so it's like i guess we'll just do backtracks for now but it just feels so like empty to me i wish i could just have like three guitar players and like mandy with like three backup vocalists behind her you know and like a live synth player instead of just like my computer working really hard in the background doing all the magic it would absolutely look (laughs) sick but you guys put on a great show and a very good sound as well so i think i think you make it work with what you have well that's very kind of course yeah the first time i saw normal creatures was was at ormsby and you guys didn't have a drummer, but you had a projector. You had oh, yeah. blow up eyeballs. You climbed in and out of a trash can. <laughs> it it was a, it was a fantastic show. And oh it, yeah, I forgot I about that. Yeah, I haven't seen you guys since you added the drummer. But uh, oh no, I did. Yeah, because I saw you guys at Winter Wonderball, and uh, yeah, everything sounded fantastic. Well, yeah, thank you very yeah, much. Absolutely. But you we're doing. I think what we're doing is easy mode compared to you having three different bands and a podcast and. You do Twitch streaming for art every once in a while, and you do the DJ shit. Sure, yeah. I haven't done the Twitch streaming in a while. I've caught one or two of those. Yeah, it's been probably about, like, well, definitely well over a year. I think there was, like, there was some, I guess that was one of, like, the the COVID habits that I tried to break out of, mm. um, was just, like, it's, like, if I have the opportunity to, like, get out into the world and do things with people again, like, I really want to take advantage of that as long as I can because yeah. who knows you know but I got a really good live streaming setup so yeah, yeah. knock on fucking wood something happens I'm ready to go again I don't think this is wood what do you think this table's made out of Mr. Engineer uh, corrugated cardboard yeah, yeah. Cardboard. which might have been wood at one point but now it's like some sort of wood adjacent material MDF mm. <laughs> MDF yeah MDF. yeah it's mostly glue and sawdust you better find something else to knock on Okay. <laughs> that sounds like a like a um like a country song. You better find something else to knock. Yeah. No, it's gonna be a ska song. Fuck you. <laughs> so, you know, uh 
on the topic of that, actually, one of the things that is um, interesting about continuing to create art as we, you know, enter an older day of our lives, none of us are getting any younger, even you, my friend. <laughs> uh, but, you know, as we continue to make music and um, create art, when you're doing like, there's, there comes a time where it's like this song needs to be about something, right? You can, a composition doesn't have to have a personality to some extent, but when you add the lyrics to it, it's like, okay, now this song has a personality. Mm -hmm. But like, what, what do I write about? You know, do you find yourselves with the sneaky heat missiles at being like, because of like the style of music, it's like it may be a little bit easier to be more like whimsical and not have to be so like introspective. Or do you think there's a way that you're able to take like introspective concepts, but put a whimsical spin on them to put it out there? That's uh, the latter is is kind of what we do. So when we when I so when I first started writing music with the missiles, I had never written lyrics. I've never never sung, sung in a band other than like backup yelling and screaming. And um, mostly I was tired of like bands not working out to some because of some asshole front man. So I wanted to be the asshole front man. <laughs> but then I realized real quick, I didn't have anything to talk about. You know, I, 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 you know, I have an engineering degree. I have a decent job, you know, at the wife and kids and all that stuff at the time. <clears throat> and um, I didn't have anything to be angry about, you know, like, how can I write punk music and like not be angry about stuff? But then it didn't take long for me to kind of pick little things, you know, in my personal life that I might have been upset about or politically things that I've been upset. And then all of a sudden I've got all these ideas. <clears throat> but because it's a ska band and we don't have to necessarily take it super seriously, we kind of put a spin on it, say funny things or do funny things with it. Uh, as far as the writing itself, uh, you were talking about personality in a song. And yeah, that is really difficult to do. We get uh, maybe two to three times of practice a month, and uh, we're in the process of writing a new album. And I have ideas, and I'll put drum machine stuff to it and throw my ideas down, but it doesn't actually feel good. It doesn't feel like it has personality until we have Ed and Mordecai and myself, and then Becca throws the keys on there, and then stuff starts to feel right. So even if I have lyrical content, I keep notebooks in different places of stuff that I think might be interesting. Uh, it doesn't feel good putting those lyrics on a song until like the song feels like it's doing something that it's driving towards something. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I think that it's, uh, songwriting is a collaborative effort, mm -hmm. at least when it, it doesn't have to be, but I find that, you know, if you're going to work with, you know, uh, a 20 piece band, it should be somewhat <laughs> collaborative, but I'm curious, like in terms of like, rehearsing because you'd brought up that, you know, you get to practice maybe a few times a month. Mm -hmm. And that's the similar situation with my bands because we're all, there's other things going on, mm -hmm. you know, it's just, it's hard to make the time. Um, but like sometimes like everybody can't be there. So we try to find ways to make it like productive. Um, but with, when you have so many people, I imagine like you can't have all of those people at practice. Right. So is it just like a lot of faith in trusting the people that you bring on board to 100%. like learn the songs? Um, uh... It just hoping you've got the right person. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. And, and so far, we've had a lot of changeover in the last year. Uh, Mordecai and I are the only ones left over from the original um, um, iteration. Uh, so this past year where I, where I wanted to really drill down and, and put out that album, that's my bucket list thing. 
it was more trying to get rehearsal time and get everybody on the same page for doing live shows. Uh, we had to bring Ed up to speed, uh, back as a new addition to the band as of what, August. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and, um, uh, I didn't have any keys written for most of the stuff and, uh, you know, having her sit down and listen to the stuff and put her ideas in there. Like that's less work that I got to do if she's willing to do that work. Yeah. The problem with the horn parts though, is, uh, if you only have like one or two days a month and your horn players show up and here's some new material, what do you guys want to do? Maybe you don't get anything done. So a lot of times I'll, I'll, I'll bang out the horn lines myself and then I have to tab everything into charts so that the horn guys can read them. But I'm always open to suggestion. Hey, if you guys don't feel like playing this part or, you know, sometimes Adam's like, there's no fucking way I'm going to do this on the trombone. I'm like, please do something different. And uh, it ends up still being a collaborative effort. But most of the time it's me like pooping out all of these ideas. I'm like, let's see what hits the wall and stays there kind of thing. <clears throat> sure. Now, I haven't seen your band play since either of you have joined the band at Arbeca. And I'm curious about the the keys aspect in terms of like what kind of like textures you're putting into with the keyboard stuff. So, Becca? So, for recordings, um, I have a uh, full 88 key stage piano that I run through a pedal board, um, just like a guitar. So it's got, you know, the the overdrive and all that fun stuff, the reverb. Um, for shows, I picked up a guitar because oh, it, cool. adds, it adds interest. <laughs> um, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so I have to kind of uh, simplify things that I've written for the recordings um, just down to one hand. Um, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So in terms of like the sounds that you're using uh, when you're playing, is it um, just like just more this like basic like synthesizer style sounds? Are we doing like extra horn layers? Are we doing a little bit of everything? Piano sounds, Mostly. space gun, laser, pew, pew. <laughs> Mostly organs and electric piano. Got it. Um, there is one where we use a vibraphone sound. Yeah. Um, we are kind of playing with the idea of adding uh, additional Kind I of still want to for... put those chimes in that uh, ins and outs song. I, I, I agree. Like yeah. Yeah, the Futurama style <clears throat> thing. Mm -hmm. I, that'd be just so good. The tubular bells? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can do that. Yeah, we have, we have ideas going forward. It's a matter of rehearsing them and, and just, you know, we could throw them into the DAW and see what fits. Uh, as far as, you know, sound texture goes, it, sometimes I get real anal, like that last note, I want it to echo four times after we stop playing the riff and mm. then we have to play with, you know, the, the timing on the delay in order to get that far. Um, and of course it's difficult to do live. It doesn't always land, but, uh, it, it sounds really good when it does happen. It's it sounds good anyways. You have to put the click in, like you have to hit it four times to get it to repeat at the same tempo. It's real funny. Every time we finish the song, we're like... 800 beats behind or ahead because I, I have a horrible time with keeping on tempo. I, I adjust bad. as we go. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, bringing everybody into the conversation here, Ed, bass playing, grooving in the ska band. How's it been? Excellent. Actually, I can't complain. There's actually, I don't know. It's probably the most freedom I've ever experienced playing bass before. Um, there are, you know, some certain areas where, you know, 
Rick wants things a specific way, so uh, we'll get that. But today I'm going to make his head explode at practice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> normally I run dry through my through my cab, um, but I'm going to be introducing my processor. Oh, cool. Scene, so, what is, what does it process? A lot of things, whatever I wanted to. So, I told him he needed to make things a little bit stankier. Like, like, you know, let, let's put some stank on it. Let's get some drugs on this sound. I'm happy with 98% of the stuff that, that Ed does. And yeah, I do get anal, like you need to play these three notes at this specific time. But <clears throat> I think the, the theme with the band being semi, it, it basically the band for me is George Jetson meets uh, the continental as, you know, Christopher Walken. <laughs> And uh, in order to get that sci-fi element, we got the keys and I wanted to get the the bass and to, you know, throw an envelope filter in there or some weird fuzz or whatever. It just start kind of building stuff with that. Yeah, I feel like that is maybe some of your um, rock slash metal background starting to kind of creep in, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, which is cool. I think that it's really important to be able to um take influence from like everything that you like and just do something that it ends up being like your own thing instead of being like oh well if we're a band of this particular genre we have to play by these certain rules mm -hmm. and these certain like settings and these certain effects like they're really i mean there's only rules in life if you're like a boring motherfucker as yeah. far as i'm concerned like yeah. just like throw that shit out have fun it's art be yeah. weird yeah and it is also super fun and interesting how sometimes like just like adjusting the smallest little thing to like the tone of a bass can change like all of the sound of the entire band oh yeah um yeah. you know it's like sometimes you figure out like or not uh sometimes you get into those conversations with people that get like really like picky about their tones and things like that and it's easy to kind of meme yeah. those people and be like <laughs> All right, it's not that big of a deal, but it does make a huge, huge difference yeah. if your ears like yeah. trained to it. I, I pick up on it. So I have two different guitar rigs that I play out of. I have a uh, a cheap Fender Frontman 212, and I if I have to go upstairs, that's what I bring because it's solid state and it's light. But if we're playing a big show, I've got uh, Carvin M uh, V3 Micro fed into a 212 with Eminence. And I don't change my effects going through my Helix for each one, but I can pick up on the differences. And in the back of my head, sometimes it, it makes me squirrely and always like my solution is just to turn the volume up. And then everybody else bitches at me about it. <laughs> Dude, that thing screams. Yeah, yeah, it does. yeah. It really does. Uh, but but to to the point about you know genre specific, uh, one of the things that that I'm starting to see is Scott starts to make a uh, uh, a push into the mainstream. We have some bands that are are starting to show up, and people are going to start looking at ska specifically. Um, I've already had a number of people like, hey, I want to throw a ska festival. Well, we already did the ska festival with Derek last year. We don't need to do that again. <laughs> I'm joking. I would do another ska festival, but everybody is going to want to start doing ska festivals in order to kind of capitalize on that. With Catbite being on the Jimmy Fallon show and the the, the interrupters on radio play and stuff like that, people are starting to take notice. And I think uh, we're going to start seeing that. But what I'm afraid of is, uh, you know, the missiles won't be able to do a show with, let's say, Grey Walker. I'll get into that in a second. 
because, oh, well, there's a different genre. And what I liked about the Pittsburgh scene in general, like nobody was really curating genres that much. You can get a punk band and you can get, you know, you know, like normal creatures and stuff and everybody would have a good time. Uh, what I'm worried about with uh, ska getting more popular is people wanting to do only ska shows. And then after that, well, you're a ska band, you can't play on this, you know, show with this metal band and this punk band. And I'm hoping to kind of transcend that by not leaning too hard into the scotch sound and showing that we can do some interesting other things that um, that other people can relate to. Sure. I mean, I have a very, very similar issue with that when it comes to normal creatures, because like, I really don't know like what kind of a band normal creatures is. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a rock band. It's kind of rap. Yeah. Sometimes it borders on metal. I'm screaming and there's double bass pedals happening. It's metal. Yeah. yeah, um, sure yeah there's a metal ingredient. Yeah. But um, it makes it hard because like, I really want to play more with like heavy bands. If I had to mm -hmm. play with like heavier bands or like back alley sound, I would pick heavier bands yeah. as much as I love back alley they sound. Right. Yeah. They're just way too much of a vibe for us. Like the people like back alley sound, some of them might like us. And I feel like we might absolutely terrify some of those people, <laughs> but also sometimes it's fun to scare people. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Oh, Get, yeah. <laughs> you know, all, freak them out a bit. All the but... family friendly biker rally things that we played. Just like, <laughs> it, it was, it was crazy. You just see like masses of families and children just walk away from the stage. And yeah. we love that. Oh, it's yeah. great. Oh, like, yeah. Go it's away. A, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The real fan. We played a show up in Meadville with uh, uh, Fat Man D was there and the local Meadville Community Theater was doing a uh, series of skits from A Midsummer's Night's Dream. So you can imagine as we started setting up on the stage, like everybody just kind of leaving on mass. They're like, oh, we don't want to have anything to do with this. Yeah. Like I could overhear people, oh, what do they do? I think they're punk rock. I don't know. I, I'm out of here. I'm not sticking around. <laughs> I, I, I remember we played Greywalker. Uh, we played, um, it was the fifth year and five year anniversary party for Maggie's Farm. Mm. down in the strip district because we're good buddies with all of them. And uh, they had us like headline it. <laughs> and like during the day, it was like, you know, there was like um, Byron Nash played and that was probably like, the closest thing to us. Yeah. I mean, he's just like a hard rock motherfucker, right? Um, but uh, <laughs> the rest of it, it was like, there was like, you know, like kind of like some like Americana folk stuff and all this stuff. Yeah. And then like, you know, yeah. the sun sets <laughs> and we walk up on stage <laughs> and it's just like, it's a out. 180. <laughs> but the thing is like, we were like friends with so like, we were like friends with so many of the people that played yeah. and we have so many friends in so many different pockets of the scene. So it's fun to be able to do those shows. Like actually we recently gray Walker just did, we played a show at the Cinderland's warehouse because our Evan, the guitar player, he's one of like the main brewers for Cinderland's. Oh, wow. Um, so we played there and it was like all of the brewers bands played. So it was like, there was like, our death metal band and then like an Americana band, like a surf rock band. It made no sense on paper, but like everybody mm -hmm. was friends and it was a really good vibe. Mm -hmm. So I think that like, it's more when I'm thinking about booking shows nowadays, like it's like, I think that the idea is to just get like a really good vibe or energy from the people that are there. Do all of these bands actually get along with each other? Do these people like to hang out with each other? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Then there's a good chance that, their friends also probably all know each other. Yeah. So it's going to be more likely that you're going to get people that aren't in the bands to come out to a show if they know that like they're going to see a lot of people that they're friends with that they're not 
that they don't that they maybe don't get to see a lot or maybe they do get to see a lot but they still want to see them i think what happens when you get these like um these shows of all one genre um you know you have a much smaller pool of people that are going to come out you know yeah. what i mean and also sometimes too it's like some people like don't like like i love hardcore but I don't feel comfortable going to a show where there's only hardcore bands playing. Yeah, they're all. It's just not my singing. energy. You're gonna get windmilled. In the it's face, just man. not my energy at all. As much as I love that music, but yeah. whenever one of my friends that are in a hardcore band might be playing with some bands that aren't so hardcore, yeah. I'm more likely to go out because I'm like, oh, this is a more comfortable environment for me. Yeah, you know, yeah. maybe 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 I'm a baby. Maybe I'm almost forty years old. Maybe both. I don't know. I just don't want to do this anymore. You know, I was, I was at a Less and Jake show, and somebody shoved me into the pit, and it was like maybe two months after a knee surgery, and then I was I was grounded for like weeks after that. I could I couldn't move. I'm you know I'm I was forty three at the time. You know, I've got to worry about my personal health. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think that there's like a conversation to be had, and I've had this conversation on this show before with plenty of other people. Um, so we're gonna have it again because what's well, a podcast if not repetitive? Um, we Just getting different opinions. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. That's why you're here. Appreciate you. Lift yeah. me up. Lift my spirits. Got you. Yeah. Uh, I think that when we're setting up shows as bands or promoters or both sometimes, I think it's important for us to really think about like what it, what is this event going to be like for the people that we're trying to get out to come? You know what I mean? Like sometimes it like Ormsby can be a hard sell for some people as mm -hmm. much as I love that place. Mm -hmm. I know there are some people that are just like, Oh, like that place. Like people like that still think Ormsby it is what it was like two decades ago mm -hmm. when I was like, you know, when it was like a crazy punk place. And I guess it's still like a punk place, but it's not, it's not anywhere near the yeah. debauchery that it used to be. Yeah. So I know some people that are like, that don't want to come out because of that. Or some people that like might not want to come out to a show where it's like, is there a parking lot? No. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'm 100%. not going to come. Yeah. Uh, you know, is the, is the neighborhood safe? It's like that area is fine. But yeah. for some people it might be a little weird. Um, or, you know, not to just completely like single out Ormsby. There's plenty of venues that have this issue. The bridge in East Liberty yeah. is another venue right now that has this issue. Um, you know, when I was talking with, uh, Dan who runs sound there the last time Gray Walker played a show there, you know, he was asking me like, what, do, like, why, why don't you think people were coming out? And I just think it's like, nobody like really knows that this venue is here and it's hard to get people to like go out to a place they've never been before sometimes mm -hmm. so it's like i don't again i don't know what the parking's gonna be like can i can i drink there can i eat there the show's on a thursday i don't know like there's all these like factors so it's like you got to think about like where am i having the show who's playing the show is this a comfortable place would i want to hang out here yeah. um you know like you're really asking a lot when you're like asking your you know 40 something year old friends even like people that are in their 20s age doesn't really matter I it's like I, yeah do you want to do you want to you have what it's like you're maybe you get like one night off a week to yourself right. maybe yeah. two you know it's like do you want to spend that time do you want to find a babysitter if you have to or do all of this stuff to like come out to see my show yeah and if you're going to bring friends with you and you, yeah. you haven't seen your friends all week because that's your one night a week do you want to take them to a punk rock show where you know you get 15 minutes to talk to each other in between ear splitting ridiculous noise yeah. <laughs> yeah and it's like and it's like there's obviously there's a formula for all of these things to be a lot of fun and mm -hmm. they are fun and that's why we're still doing this yeah. all of these years later but when you're dealing with um uh 
I don't, I don't know what we'll just we'll call them muggles for lack, for lack of a better term people that the people that aren't like in a band just like the the, the casual fan the casual yeah. uh attendee of a show that isn't in a band it can be really hard to get them to come out to a place that they're not comfortable with yeah but it's like really hard to play shows at places where people are comfortable with it's We're, like you can't do every show at mr small's theater yeah unfortunately I have friends that'll come and see us if we're at the fun house or yeah. we're playing hard rock cafe on the 20th and, uh, they'll come out to that. But, uh, yeah, Ormsby's a really hard sell. We, we played a show last year, one of the, uh, silent film, uh, series at Ormsby and I put a bunch of fucking work into that, wrote a, a song specifically for the movie that we were playing, uh, with, uh, I recruited 10 horn players and five of them showed up. And uh, I think other than, you know, friends of the band, like maybe two or three other people showed up despite all the work. And I, it was uh, uh, almost like an ideological shift for me in order to realize like what we're doing, what I'm doing is important to me. And it might not translate to someone who doesn't want to have to park on the street in Mount Oliver. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's like, it's like dumb as like simple as it comes down to that. But like, and it's like, you know, you put, all of this time and this effort into like crafting this thing mm -hmm. but it does hinge so much on something as simple as like if people aren't going to be able to park there there's no point in me yeah. even trying yeah <clears throat> next normal creature show at 222 Wormsby by the way <laughs> shout outs no but that, I mean, that even goes back to I mean everybody wants to play smalls right yeah there's yeah. no fucking parking yeah it's yeah. all street parking yeah so what's the difference mm. My friend, you bring up a really good point. What's the difference? So some of the other ingredients of that would be the pro-level sound. Like Smalls can afford to hire somebody full-time or or people that do sound full-time. And they uh, most of the criticism I get of missile shows are, uh, we have no idea what you were singing. And I, I'm usually, that's fine because I forgot. The oh, yeah. Was, he's like, I didn't know either. <laughs> <laughs> but if if you're a muggle, if you're a standard concert goer and you're your friends in a punk rock band in Pittsburgh and you want to show uh, support for them, you would rather go to Smalls where somebody who does sound for venues full time is running the sound for that. Or, 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 or also at Mr. Smalls, they have an open bar and sometimes you can walk upstairs and get a quesadilla. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I, I would actually go with that route. Yeah. That. The bar thing. The bar yeah. thing. It's definitely the bar. Thing. So well, you can go across the street at Ormsby and pick Ormsby. up a six pack. Yeah. yeah. And then you can get wings. Yeah. Same thing at Roboto Project. You go up the street and across, uh, across the street, and there's a taco place up there that also sells booze. So, but there's other factors in this equation that's that all of them work together, kind of like in the Bernoulli's equation where you, uh, take into account the friction and pipes and the flow and the volume in order to find out what your output is depending on the input. There's a lot going on there. A little bit of Bro, what dynamics. the fuck did you just say to me? <laughs> Bernoulli's equation. You don't know that? It was, it's, it's, it's an engineering thing. It's like comparing Kips and Newton. It sounds like you're talking about a Between the Buried and Me song. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> You mentioned previously uh, chemistry or personality of, of bands and stuff like that. Of the of songwriting, yeah. Uh, songwriting, but but also like as far as like picking bands who you want to do shows with. Like I I know when you guys did the Winter Wonderball, um, like I'm friends with everybody with the exception of Back Alley Sound, and I would be friends with them too. They have a saxophone in their band. 
<laughs> but um, that stuff is super important. It's something that I keyed in real quick. I'm not native to Pittsburgh, but I've been wanting to move to Pittsburgh since I was a kid. Um, this past October, two years ago, this past October, I moved to Pittsburgh. I got a great place in Beachview. Uh, I've got a place to park my van. I've got a studio. And what I started doing shortly before I moved to Pittsburgh is almost like a guerrilla warfare networking. I, that's how I found your podcast. It's how I found Paul Neal's podcast. Uh, don't start your beat or don't, don't quit your day. Yeah. It's don't start your beat. That's when Paul Neal's podcast. When you guys mine is start the, his, his is don't, his is don't start the beat. And mine is, uh, um, what was it? Uh, uh, oh, <laughs> don't start your start day. your day job mine is start your day job <laughs> and his is uh yeah yeah don't start whatever anyways god Blame i'm, I'm not you. smart enough don't this quit your beat yeah don't don't quit your beat that sounds like a different kind of podcast yeah. anyways mm. anyways hey paul if you want to <laughs> if you want to you know do Come a on, masturbation bro. podcast hit me up <laughs> 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 but it, I, I reached out to everybody and I, and it, it took me about a year to figure out that I look like an absolute uh, psycho. You know, hey, you want to hang out? You want to come to my house for a barbecue? And like people are like, who the fuck are you? I was just trying to make connections. I was tr trying to make friends. I was trying to do I something. That, I, I, I honestly think that that is kind of like maybe just like. I think that's a Pittsburgh problem and not a you problem <laughs> because honestly, no. My, so my girlfriend, Grace just moved here from Virginia. Okay. And, um, she's kind of in the same mentality of mm -hmm. like reaching out to people and always like, like I'll see somebody at a show and she's like, Oh, who's that? They're really nice. Like you should invite them over the house sometime. I'm like, I don't invite people over my house. I don't hang out with people. What are you talking about? Yeah. She's like, that's what normal people do. I'm like, I don't think that's what normal people do, <laughs> but I think that like, maybe it's just like a weirdo Pittsburgh thing, or maybe it's just me being like, uh, a, 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 a tortured introverted artist who has a podcast and invites people over all the time to talk. I feel like I'm a tortured introverted artist too, but I want to feed people smoked meats when I, when mm. I do that. Yeah. So, you know, I've had a couple of parties at my house and, and, and now like the people that are showing up, God hates unicorns, hemlock for so crates. Um, uh, did you know people pronounce that wrong all the time? If you would just watch Bill and Ted's I know. Excellent Adventure, yeah. you would know how to pronounce a band name. I digress. I'm throwing all these parties and I'm cooking smoked meats and then I'm finding out that half of them are vegetarians. <laughs> and then I figure out why people don't want to hang out with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I am not a vegetarian. Okay. So um, if, if I can ever, I believe I have been invited to a, a party of yours, but yes, I have not been you, able to attend. And you thought I was a fucking weirdo for doing that. <laughs> no, I, th I, thought, I think you're a sweetheart. Thank you. I've got you fooled. <laughs> <laughs> hey, cheers. Um, so with the future right now of the heat missiles, I mean, we could talk in circles about like, why can't we get people to come out to shows? And like, really the reality of it is just like, um, there's some truth to like the venue situations, the parking situations. Does the venue have a bar, mm. that type of thing? And there's also just like the the hard reality sometimes that I've kind of been like, it's like, oh, well, just maybe my band just isn't that interesting to see more than once a year. Mm. And I already cashed in that card on my friends this year. Yeah. But it's 2024, motherfuckers. So I'm looking yeah. at all of you, sons of bitches. You got to come out yeah. and see us march at Ormsby, come out, come out a place with great parking. Yeah. <laughs> There's tons of parking up and down the street. Yes. And if you if you park up above Ormsby, you can walk downhill 
And you can kind of keep that into consideration as you drink at Ormsby while watching the show. Do you want to walk uphill drunk or downhill drunk? It's, mm. you know, it's, work with gravity. Yeah, work with gravity. Yeah, so you want to park downhill. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so right now with the future of missiles, you've been talking about a record, mm. a bucket list mm -hmm. record. Give me some more juicy details on this bucket so yeah yeah on on this the bucket album the juicy bucket <laughs> everything that if if you're if you're a musician and you're trying to do something online and trying to get people to follow you everybody's telling you to release singles and even to the point if you have a whole album written you know you release a single once a month or once every two months and then that's what keeps people's attention i'm okay with that but like I want to put out a whole album. I, I I believe you listen to albums too. I'm an album listener. I'll put on an album and I'll listen to it front to back. And if the whole thing doesn't really grab me, I might not really enjoy that band as much. And it's, you know, it's not the same for other people, but it's, that's kind of how I operate. You know, you buy a cassette tape when you're 14 years old and you listen to the whole thing and you don't have to skip any songs. You don't have to hit the fast forward button. So what I'm basically doing now is trying to craft a whole album and uh, without, you know, I didn't get the manual on how to do that. I'm just trying to figure shit out on my own, like the rest of us are doing it. So the idea is <clears throat> 12 songs, you know, some of them longer, some of them shorter, uh, some of them we won't even play live because they really only work in a studio uh, environment. Uh, put out a whole album and I'm hoping next October because that's when we made our last two releases and uh, some sort of ridiculous party with, you know, burlesque dancers and and uh, ridiculous costumes and shit like that. And oh. have a bunch of fun with it. Yeah. Well, we like costumes. Mm, yes. Uh, we dressed up like missiles back in October when we played Brandy's Basement. Yeah. I didn't look like a missile. I looked more like a more like a silver egg mm. <laughs> it's kind of hard to get down the missile outfit without looking like a goober like yeah. we're not pulling up in big pointy like yeah. cutout boxes we gotta, yeah, nobody has the big pointy it's head. just a silver jacket <laughs> but, <laughs> the match. but yeah I, I don't know if you have any tips for album writing I'll well have them. with going back to what you had said in regards to the the singles discussion yeah. Um, that's obviously been a very big talking point in the social circles of bands for well over half a decade now at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think there is some merit to that. Like, I think it just depends on how you want to operate as a band. I think there are a lot of people that are very, um, all in on the social media stuff and they like we want to be a social media band and we want to blow up so technically nowadays if that's how you're thinking the amount of effort that you put into a single with promoting it and all that sort of stuff to help get your name out there and get all of that attention it's pretty much the same effort that you would put into an album mm -hmm. um so it's like do i want to do one promotional push with one with one collection of songs um being a band that is relatively unknown maybe outside of my like my bubble right or our bubble as mm -hmm. a band right or do i want to do that same promotional push 12 times <laughs> yeah. over the course of a year hoping that you know i can try different things and make sure everybody gets to hear a song you know one thing that i've noticed with albums that i've put out is that you will have if you like look at your stream counts mm 
it's always really strong at the beginning and then towards the end it falls off and maybe for some people it's just like this isn't for me this music sucks or maybe for some people it's like i have a 40 minute album and maybe they'll put it on on their drive but it's a 20 minute drive and then you know their phone disconnects from the bluetooth and they yeah. go into whole foods and they buy their fucking eggs or whatever they're buying and then their grandma calls them and they get distracted and then they yeah. never listen to the second half of your record yeah um you know so there's a lot of different factors with things i am also an album person mm -hmm. you know i grew up listening to records and cds and tapes and i prefer to digest that most like music like that i hate when i find a new artist on spotify and like it's like shows up in my release radar of like i'm like wow this song is really cool oh and, and i go on their page and they only have like that song mm -hmm. and then like one other single and it's kind of a bummer mm -hmm. you know and it's like i wait and it's like oh then they put out another single and then they put out another single and all, i like all these songs and then finally it's like the album's coming out it's like oh i can't wait to hear a whole album of this band's yeah. music you've then the album comes out and you've heard everything yeah, yeah. they've just re-released <laughs> everything into one package it's just kind of like a way to game the social media system and the spotify system and release more to get put into more algorithms and more playlists that's the other thing too if you've ever tried to get put on a spotify playlist or anything like that you yeah. have to release stuff in advance and you have to submit it and there's all these weird rules so it's more beneficial and you're more likely to get put onto a playlist um if you're splitting everything up into singles mm -hmm. because like if a song's been on spotify for like more than a month or something it's not qualified i forget what i forget yeah, the qualifications quite, now yeah. but like once it's been on spotify for a certain amount of time it's no longer um considered for a playlist so if you put out a whole album worth of songs mm -hmm. you know and like okay i submit the single uh it doesn't get picked up but then the album comes out you can't submit any of the other songs for that album for playlist consideration. Mm -hmm. So now that's why people are doing all of these singles because the game is to get on a playlist to get your streams up somewhere people find out. It's it's like a, a weird numbers game. Mm -hmm. But don't you think that um, instead of adding the song to a playlist, it's the artist to a playlist? Because I add the artist. So I always, so regardless, so if we were to have the full album come out and I put the Sneaky Heat Missiles to my playlist, all the songs are going to be mixed in with that, not just hmm. here's a single. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if every I don't know if everybody does it that way. But then they're I, stupid. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, I mean, if you like a band, just add them to your playlist. It's that's what it's I really do too. Quite, it's really I, quite simple. Uh, I'll follow artists, and uh, typically, what uh, Spotify feeds me from an artist is going to be their song with the most amount of plays, which uh, by default is going to be you know probably most auditorial pleasing because the vast majority statistically of people enjoy that song. It's the one that they listen to the most, or maybe it's the only one that they have that year. I don't know. But I think one thing's for certain, the, the social media aspect of this stuff is fucking soul crushing. It's terrible. Uh, it's, it just, I don't, so of all the people that aren't like specifically talking to me every day and, and hearing all the bullshit of me talking about the songs I'm writing or what's coming out or what I'm going to do, you know, with the smoking jacket and the Christopher Walken stuff, the only re way they're going to find out about me is if they follow me on Facebook or the band on Facebook or on Instagram. So you have to do that stuff. But as you're doing that stuff, you become an employee, an unpaid employee of Facebook and Instagram and TikTok or whatever 
are generating content that's just going to funnel their users into something where somebody's going to spend some money. I don't necessarily want to work for those guys for free. So I have to come up with a personal balance of how much work do I want to put into the social media part of it that's going to let people know what we're doing without becoming an unpaid employee of the social media entities. Sure. Yeah. Sure. It's that's a a scary thought, a lot to <laughs> a lot to unpack there. Yeah. But uh I mean, you're right. It, it the thing that also bothers me too is just like I feel like let's say Facebook for example. Um or actually Facebook and Instagram are the same fucking company now anyway, mm-hmm. so it doesn't matter. We could talk about them both simultaneously. Um I don't think it's like it's like everybody's using the same tools. So it's like we have the sneaky heat missiles, we have normal creatures. We also have Coca-Cola, Pepsi, Apple, Mm -hmm. like all of these companies using the same tools. And if Mm -hmm. we want to promote ourselves on these platforms, we have to do the same shit that they do to get people to see what we're posting. And I feel like that's really not fair. I feel like Mm -hmm. if you have like a business page or a band page that has like under 10,000 likes, you shouldn't be subjected to like these same things like, oh, give us $75 and maybe 200 people will see your post. Yeah. It's like kind of silly. You know, it's like, it, it's like, and the, the reason why I think it's silly, and this is like, I don't know, I'm not a fucking business guy, but it's like, if you would, if, if those companies would allow like the sneaky heat missiles page to operate in a way where there aren't all of these restrictions. And if people like your page, they could see what you're posting without you paying. Mm-hmm. If they allowed your post, your page to organically get to that 10,000 mm-hmm. to meet that threshold, you would be in a position as a sneaky hit missiles to give Facebook way more money to promote your stuff because you will have actually been able to build a business that can make money for yourselves and actually more money for them. Yeah. Hypothetically speaking, if we had made 25 bucks a month from our Spotify plays, which I don't, that's, that's millions and millions and millions of listenings, I think. That 25 bucks, I would filter back into Facebook to put out ads for the shows that we're doing. Yeah. But I can't, all of that stuff's out of pocket right now. And I can't but afford that. The, 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 the grim, the grim potential reality of this is probably that they're probably making way more money oh, yeah. than we could ever fucking imagine off of like every other small little page, just throwing their 50 bucks to promote <laughs> their show and yeah. just hoping for the best. They're probably making yeah. so much fucking money. My my uh, my my shift in thinking happened. Uh, I think it was about a year and a half ago. Jake Hirsch, when he passed away from Fubar, and uh, like many other people in the scene, who you know his life touched and inspired, the missiles put out something. You know, hey, we were saddened, whatever, etc. I can't remember exactly what we said, but it was it was a potent moment for me and for a lot of my friends. And then the very next day, Facebook sends me a message saying, if you spend 25 bucks, a hundred more people will see this post. I'm like, fuck that shit. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to play that game. Or you can, or you can hire a bot for five bucks a month. That'll get you 200 likes. Yeah. Yeah. The bot thing is, is even worse in my opinion. It, it, It makes sense for some people. Like if you're, you know, shaking your stuff on, uh, on OnlyFans and you have an immediate income from that. Then, then yeah, maybe maybe hire a bot. But you know, I, I, if I work eight hours a day and I got to come home and work another six hours a day on that stuff, it's just not worth my time. I'd rather be writing and playing music. Yeah, it 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 uh it gets it gets real 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 sketchy, and it, I think that it's one of the it's one of the few things that makes me 
actually it's the only thing that ever makes me question like why the fuck am i still doing this <laughs> has nothing to do with any of the actual like creative aspects like i love like writing music and being in a studio and playing mm -hmm. shows even if there's only a handful of people there mm -hmm. i love doing all that but mm -hmm. when it comes to like sitting down in front of a computer and thinking about like is this logo cool enough yeah. is this photo right is this the like, you know all of that like the selling yourself part of it and i mean that's i'm just selling yourself to like for like the hoping that the algorithm will yeah. see it and i feel like another thing too that i noticed and god this is getting into a tangent but it's a podcast <laughs> yeah. um is that when you see artists that i feel kind of are like i mean maybe this is a rude way of putting this but i feel like they're like um they're like uh, they're making, they're like putting out a really cheap version of their art to satisfy an algorithm versus like just like focusing on the music. Like I know some people in some local bands that do like a lot of TikTok stuff mm -hmm. where they'll do like these little like reaction videos or like joke videos and all of these things that just in the hopes that like people are going to end up liking their band and their music mm -hmm. and it's like people might like this personality that you're creating but it actually has nothing to do with your band yeah so it's like do you want to be an online personality or do you want to be a band yeah. some people can do both but like i don't know i just it's like weird um there's no way that i could bring up any like exact examples without sounding like a total nincompoop or like a, a grump -a dump but like it's just like it just bugs me but i guess like who am i to say how somebody should or shouldn't promote their art yeah, yeah. No. you know things are different for different people some people fucking love doing all that stuff yeah. they're really into it god bless them mm -hmm. um but to rewind this real quick uh an idea that i've had and I haven't done it. Maybe I'll do it this time around. You can feel free to steal this idea too, okay. if you want to, with your album. Um, so again, what did I say earlier about rules? Rules are for boring motherfuckers. Maybe so can. fuck the rules. Mm -hmm. Why can't you simultaneously release songs online, 12 singles once a month for an entire year, but also... <laughs> put it all on a physical product that already exists in the real world. Yeah. Like at the same time, it's like, Hey, here's the first online single from the album. If you want to check it out online, cool, stream it, promote it to all the people out and about. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you have a physical product that you're selling at shows. And you could also say online, like, Hey, if you like this song, you can hear the whole album. Now, if you buy a physical copy from us, or you could just wait every month for the new song that we're going to release. Yeah. Does that make sense? That's a great idea. I, yeah. People kind of do that with Bandcamp and stuff, right? <clears throat> but, uh, I don't use Bandcamp too often, but you can put some of those songs under a paylock, right? Yeah, you can mm -hmm. do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess that's a similar, but I think that would work. And then it would also generate people to come to your shows and stuff. Yeah, possibly if they really liked it. I think that like what my perception of it is that I think what we're dealing with are like two completely different worlds. And I think that maybe it's something to consider being like a, an underground DIY band where it's like, there is like the Pittsburgh scene or your local scene, regardless of whatever city you're in. And then there's the rest of the world. And I think instead of trying to interface with both of those things in the same way, you need to interface with them in two different ways. I think the way that we're promoting 
our stuff in the Pittsburgh scene and like our local shows needs to be completely separate from how we're trying to advertise ourselves to the rest of the world. It's true. No, the I've only ever been in, involved with DIY. Uh, you know, almost showing my age now, 30 years ago, you know, going to Oakland, hanging up fucking flyers everywhere, yeah, yeah. you know, for us, for a show that we're playing at Lago upstage or graffiti uh yeah. r.i.p yeah pittsburgh all, all, scene died with oakland it, 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 it truly did yeah uh, well I mean, I mean metropole went for a little longer than yeah. that but uh which i was i was actually fond of that place as well but um that's all i know so i mean maybe if there's a way that i can possibly see outside that box it can maybe be beneficial totally and but, i think too like when people are looking at your band um if like i think it's really easy to um unintentionally just look like oh well that's just a regional band from the pittsburgh area or from ann arbor michigan or wherever the hell you're from right and i think that um maybe if you when you're dealing with like your instagram and things like that maybe like just like trying to focus more on like just like this is the music content this is the art that we're doing this is you know a music video studio video that kind of stuff but then like when it comes to the local stuff um i don't know how to do it yet i haven't fucking figured it out it's just like a thought that i'm having i feel like there just has to be a different way to interface with those two worlds and maybe one way to do that is to do like the local promotional push of like a whole album and then like have a separate thing where it's like oh we're just promoting these songs online and finding out like how to promote those things because there's like there's always all sorts of people that offer different kinds of services like we'll help promote your song we'll help get you on a playlist we'll help do all that and most of it all seems like fucking bullshit yeah but like one of them has to be legit yeah i think part of the is it uh, all about money it, i don't fucking it, know it's all about luck that's that's what I was thinking about. You know, I luck. think a lot of you us are doing the lucky. social media thing are hoping that something's going to go viral. Uh, my younger son, Silas, put out a video on TikTok that ended up with like a million some views. And it was just, you know, it, it looked like, you know, one of the cats ate his ear pod or, and you could hear the music playing out of its belly. She was just laying on it. It's just, yeah, she yeah. was laying on it. But like... It blew up. For some reason, it blew up. So like, if we all play the social media game and something blows up, all of a sudden we're like famous for free. But it doesn't fucking work like that. It's and a lot, lot of that stuff is very temporary too. Mm -hmm. You know, um, something that I've always like uh, said, and I don't know if this is a... a um. I don't know the word for it. I don't know if it's like a, a moral code or some shit like that. But, uh, you know, I just, I feel like there are ways to, like, if you want to be famous, there's definitely some, there isn't like an exact blueprint, but there's things that you can do to kind of figure out and kind of trick the system. You could put on a costume to mm -hmm. some degree and put yourself into a role to make, you know, things work. Like yeah. I could make very, very, I could probably make a ton of like really moody atmospheric beats and find some 19 year old kid with a good voice throw it through auto tune and just make a ton of money as a producer mm. if I wanted to do that. Um, you know, but that's really not my interest. And my thing was like, if I ever accidentally get famous for something, I just hope that I'm famous for me. So I don't get yeah. stuck being this like caricature of something for the yeah. rest of my life to maintain my, uh, my well being. 
Yeah. I, I think the fine line that we got about that we have to and I'm going to sidetrack for just a second because I've heard this from people on your podcast. Oh, I would play music even if people didn't listen to it. I'm going to be honest. If nobody was interested in what I was doing, I'd find something else more fun to do. Sure. But I love doing this. And a few people are interested in it. I'm going to keep doing it. So the idea is to, to balance that tight, that tightrope, you know, what can we do that'll take us along the trajectory that maybe we'll get noticed, but we still stay true to what we're doing mm -hmm. and having fun. I don't want to dress up because I have to, but I want to wear missile costumes because it's absurd and silly and it's sure. fun. So let's all wear that shit. And if people like us because we do that, then that's that's bonus. I've I've found that um, it's almost impossible now for me to make any sort of art or write any sort of song without thinking about how people are going to perceive it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important because like, Sometimes I do make things that are very selfish, but when I'm going into making it, I know that it is a selfish thing. And I know this is probably something that's just like an exercise in creativity for myself. I have a ton of like unfinished random projects or songs, half finished drawings and things that was like, this is for me. This isn't for anybody else. But like if I'm sitting down to like work on a normal creature song, it's like, okay, like this is something that's going to be in a live environment that I want people to hear and interface with. So I'm always thinking about all of those little bits of things and like i want people to enjoy what i'm doing but i also want to be selfish you know i don't want to put myself in that genre box that we had talked about earlier but also i want to sometimes i could check myself i find myself maybe being too selfish or doing something it's just not a good idea mm -hmm. but i do like miss when i was like younger before i started playing a lot of shows and those expectations when i was just making music and like nobody knew who i was i didn't have anything to like really like not like not that, not that I didn't have anything to look forward to, but I wasn't playing any shows or anything yet. It was just me in a bedroom on my computer making beats and mm -hmm. just like that was like the the happiest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I wish like that ignorance is bliss sort of mentality of things. I wish now that like I could like make a song without thinking about like some of those things that I was just talking about, like how yeah. people are gonna react to it, even though I think it's good to challenge yourself and to think about your art through the lens of other yeah. eardrums and eyeballs but like i don't know i also liked i liked when like it, it felt more free then no pressure yeah totally <laughs> totally now there's like i mean it's not like a huge pressure but it's there you know well they say that the difference between art and media like media in general is is you know does it evoke a feeling or or does it make a reaction in the person that's viewing it? You know, and, I, and I've seen this topic come up and the difference when people put out something that could be perceived as, let's say, porn, and they're trying to call it art. And the the thing that kind of separates the two is, does it evoke some sort of feeling or response other than, oh, yeah, I want to masturbate. And then that's what you call, you know, art. So if you're creating stuff for just yourself, it's because you have something to say and you're hoping something, somebody else will either uh, respond to it. Maybe they'll uh, um, commiserate with it or mm -hmm. maybe they'll think, eh, you're an asshole. But either way, that, that becomes art because you've evoked a response from somebody else. And there's also... And that response also leads to a viral moment. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Hey. <laughs> I think that, you know, one of the things that I'm always, that I've always been so, like, um, worried about is just, like, being completely ignored. Mm. Like, it's one thing if, like, if 
if I give or get like a negative comment or a positive comment, you know, it's like, okay, it sucks that like somebody didn't like what I did, but it's nice that it upset them enough that they felt the need to like say something about it. It's really like a huge bummer when you just like put something out there into the world and it's like crickets. It's like yeah, nobody man. cares enough to hate it. Nobody cares enough to like it. It's just like, meh. Yeah. And like that makes me feel very, very uh, I think, hollow. But also yeah. so much of that is like processed through social media mm -hmm. and like are people even seeing it? I have no idea. That I, so with that, like there are so many, I feel like there are so many bands today than there were in the past. Like the, the, the scene is huge and they're like little bands everywhere. Everyone wants a piece of the pie. They want to get in and play shows and like, that's why I think it's important not to get too hung up on uh, just like having your shit be seen. Like, like ultimately, we're all here to have a good time. Um, like, obviously, like fame is it would be nice. Like we were talking about the bonuses and stuff. But like we're we're, out, we're just out here like up on stage playing shows. And there are a lot of other people doing it, too. So like the chances of like someone like madly falling in love with your music are low. But like when people do, it's incredibly rewarding. And that's what we're. We're we're just here to fucking play shows. We're just we're just having a good old time. It's it's super. I, it, it, I think we all spend a lot of time time making it high stakes, and it's it doesn't it's, need to be. Yeah, doesn't need to be high stakes. Uh, what do you think about this concept? And I've had this. I have a secret cabal of people that discuss these kind of things. And I and I, <laughs> I, I oh oh really? To, yeah. Oh yeah. Very secret cabal. <laughs> and one of the ideas within this cabal of you know how how to achieve fame and fortune as an artist is. How long have you persisted as a and consistently doing stuff? So you mentioned there's a lot of people, a, a lot of people in the scene. How many of them make it to four years? How many of them make it to five years? Some of the bands that I've found in the last year or two have been around for 10 years, and it took me a long time to figure that out. Mm -hmm. And then by the time you hit a certain amount, I think it's in the back of people's heads. Yeah, they're they're not going anywhere. They're really trying. Even if their older shit sucked, like kind of some of our older shit sucked, they're still pushing on it and they're still doing stuff. These guys have been around for four, five, six, seven years. Let's take them serious a little bit. Let's put them on a festival. Let's go to their show. I think that's an ingredient in the uh, equation of uh, success in a band. I like that. Yeah. I'd buy that. I think uh, the effort to kind of keep things together long enough to 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 keep putting stuff out for more than three years is uh, an indicator of how serious you are about it and also how seriously people are going to take you when you start putting stuff out continuously. So, with the Sneaky Heat Missiles and this album, mm. October, you think? I'm shooting for October. this October. This coming up of this, yeah, it's 2024. Year. It is 2024, yeah. baby. Yeah, yeah. Knock on particle board. Knock on particle board. Yes. N knock on what? What was this? What was this? MC MCA MDF MDF MDF. What does that stand for? Multidisciplinary function. Motherfucking damn fiber board. Masturbation. <laughs> fraggle rock fraggle rock is in there somewhere <laughs> yes um well cool you know i i obviously look forward to hearing that like a year from now or whenever you know yeah that is uh 
But more importantly, I think that it's really cool to see that your band and that mostly, you know, you two have persisted uh, in this because you said rotating cast of characters. It is hard to find people that are that are committed and like sometimes that's like it's totally understandable. It's fucking hard. It's like it's actually like really dumb to do this unless like you really want to do it. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's pretty fucking stupid yeah. if you like oh, yeah. really, really think about it, but it's also awesome. So, yeah. uh, you know, uh, trust me, it's like, there's plenty of other things that I should be doing with my life. <laughs> Technically, if I wanted to be like a successful adult or something, whatever yeah. that fucking means, yeah. I guess success is happiness. Yes. And I suppose I'm pretty happy. Yeah. So there's some magical moments in this business, man. They just hit. Yeah, I think it's just so easy to get like bogged down with all of the 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 technicalities and the like that all that social media mumbo jumbo or like the why aren't people coming out and blah 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 and you know I think that it's just a matter of um sticking to it mm-hmm. uh believing in yourself mm-hmm. Uh, uh, putting out the energy that you wish to receive if you're into that sort of, uh, you know, hoo-ha mumbo-jumbo yeah. type stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, the cosmic crystals and leaves yeah. and cosmic energy and Rainbows. stuff. Rainbows. Yeah. Yes, that kind of stuff. But I mean, I think there is something to that. I think that, um, you know, if you spend a lot of time either just uh, complaining or being cynical or not putting anything out there at all, then how can you expect anybody to want to support or even know to support what you're doing? Oh, yeah. You know, but I also think there's the flip where it's like, I have some friends in some bands that are like, maybe a little bit too positive about being in a band, maybe putting a little bit too much out there and it gets kind of annoying. It's like, I love you guys, but like, I know you're playing the fucking show. Just stop it. Stop, stop. You know, I I don't need the fucking flyer every day. You're going to make me not want to go to the goddamn show. Um, so there's there's that but uh i don't know everybody's just trying in their own way yeah. to to uh find uh to find happiness yeah which i think is actually a lot harder um a lot harder of a thing to achieve than success is personal happiness being happy so yeah. don't don't take the happiness for granted yeah. is what i'm saying yeah no. does that make sense 100 percent. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm happy. Yeah, that's my positive takeaway for the day. Ed, you don't look happy right now. Are you happy? No, actually, I'm really quite happy. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, well, with all of that being said, we're going to uh, put a pin in this conversation. I wish we had like, for an now. air horn right now. Like, wah, wah, wah. Uh, or that. Or if we had a saxophone or trumpet or. Well, yeah, it would have been. It would have been. It would have been really appropriate to have all horn stings <laughs> for this episode. Actually, um, so yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe if I could find some little type of device to let me just trigger the samples on its own. I know they exist. It's just a matter of do I want to spend another couple hundred dollars on something I don't fucking need. Welcome to being an adult in America. Yeah, You're always yeah. spending a couple hundred dollars on something you don't fucking need. If it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. <laughs> You know, um, that's a pretty good song. That Cheryl Crow song. If it makes you happy. I mean, the, the performance yeah. of it. Oh, yeah. That was really good. Can you do that again? No. No, I, I only had one Emmy. It's a pretty <laughs> good song. Like, like, like on its structure, it's a pretty good song. Yeah. Uh, the particular performance and recording of it that exists that we have all been ingrained with throughout the years 
maybe ain't it, but it's a good song. I don't know if Cheryl Crow wrote that song or if somebody else wrote it, but it's a pretty good song. I don't think I know that one. I, so anything played between 93 and 96 on VH1, I hate. And that was one of them, mm. you know. Well, yeah. I will say this. Um, another song by Cheryl Crow. Um, I don't know if it's the name of the song, but you know that Every Day is a Winding Road? Uh, that song? Yeah. That might be one of my least favorite songs ever recorded <laughs> by humans. Yeah. Did she write that about Lance Armstrong? Mighty Road Bicyclist Guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Did, didn't he get kneecapped by Nancy Kerrigan while he was on a, a bicycle race? Dude, that would be incredible. <laughs> I would tune into that. So, um, if if you want to add a 13th track to the Heat Missiles record, uh, do a re-recording of... Um, if it makes you happy? Yes, please. Yeah. And that would make me happy. Oh, yeah. I'll throw some horn lines on it. It, it would scot up quite nicely. It would scot up quite nicely. That's what... We, every time we're riding in the car, like some bullshit song will come on and Becca will be like, oh, this would scot up quite nicely. <laughs> no. I love that. That's great. Ha happy it makes me. Yeah. <laughs> Well, hey, with all that being said, that is all, folks. I want to thank everyone so much for tuning in today to our little program. Uh, I'll be back again next week with another episode. Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Brian Sykes, how? Don't just call me Brian. Don't call me fucking Sykes. It's weird. <laughs> Sir Richard Dingard III. Heat missiles are in the building. Thank you all so much for coming on today. And until next time, my friends, take care of yourselves. Take care of the people around you. Peace.